It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people but never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to be joined again by my friend Jill Conrath, speaker, sales expert, author of multiple best-selling books. Most recently, I'm sure most of you have bought and read her book, More Sales, Less Time. Jill, welcome back to Accelerate and serve our virtual sales kickoff meeting. Hey, thanks for having me back. So, um, gosh. If people hadn't listened to the previous episodes, episode 319, it came out on December 1st. Make sure you let's go back and listen to that. And uh, we want to give the audience some great tips and advice to kick off 2017. And you had some great advice in, in your book, More Sales, Less Time, I thought we should get into. And maybe before we do that, is, is frame the discussion. So in your mind, what's, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps in 2017? <laughs> People don't like this one, but I always, I, it's sales rep overwhelm. People are just swamped. Sales rep, sales rep overwhelm. Too overwhelm. Much. Too much to do, not nearly enough time to get it done, or at least it feels that way. Are they being asked to do too much? Uh, well, certainly the first of the year, the quotas do go up. Um, you know, that is happening to probably 75, 80% of the people who are listening. Are they asked to do too much? It, sometimes in the organization, there are systems that need to be fixed because salespeople are asked to do much. Uh, they're being asked to learn new technology. And they're, I think the biggest issue is that they are living in a digital swamp that just <laughs> sucks them in and, and eats up their time. And, and they don't even realize what it's doing to them. And they're feeling overwhelmed because they're constantly running behind trying to get everything done. And they have no idea how much time they're wasting on things that are, are eating, eating their, their best um, time during the day, but also impacting their ability to be as sharp and savvy and strategic as they really need to be in order to be highly effective in less time. Yeah, and, and interestingly, some of that, I think, perhaps I don't say brought on by themselves, but I just harken back to a 
a survey result I remember from early in 2016 is about is, um, sales managers or sales operations managers have been surveyed about how many sales enablement tools or technologies was the sales team using. And they answered five. Mm-hmm. And then they surveyed the sales reps themselves and it was 11. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's it's in part of it is we're creating that as an effort to become more productive, perhaps, and yes. to do more as we're taking on investments and in more and more tools, which, as you said, they really become distracting after a point. Well, the reality is, I think most sales organizations are trying to do the best that they can for their salespeople, and they are adding technologies. Salespeople are adding some of their own technologies, but all these. Things are just more things that salespeople have to learn or follow through, or perhaps they're not. The technologies aren't connected to each other, so it, you know, it just creates and exacerbates the problem. And by the way, the longer and more often you're spending online, just the more overwhelmed you feel. It is a natural consequence of spending so many hours in front of a screen. Yeah, and it's not just your work screens, but your personal screens as well. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, again, research shows that the more time people are in front of the screen, the the higher stress level that they have because they can never seem to disconnect. And it's always something is always pinging at them or, you know, some notification just popped up. And so they're always a little bit on edge. And they're also waiting for something new to come in and getting, you know, antsy about, you know, the news feed if it's just been updated or what's, you know, what's the score of the latest football game. Yeah, I mean, and to your point about people being distracted by screens, I remember when Pokemon Go first came out, <laughs> is is my wife and I, you know, walking down the streets of Manhattan, would turn and look behind us as people passed and count how many of the screens where people were playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> really? Yeah, and there was like one stretch of like three blocks we walked one Saturday morning where we had gone out and we're coming back toward home, where we thought easily 50% of the people walking by oh us were playing, playing Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Wow. <laughs> so I'm mean, nothing wrong with playing the game, but it's just a you know exemplifies yeah. what you're talking about in terms yeah. of people being distracted. Or I saw a video recently of uh, this comedian. I don't know if you ever seen this uh, comedian Billy Eichner that plays this game in the streets of Manhattan called Billy on the Streets, where he, he runs up to people with a microphone. He's very high energy and sort of intimidating, asking people questions usually about pop culture. But he had this mm-hmm. one. Uh, video of just of snippets of him encountering people. And the fact is, every person he encountered was deep in their phones and really weren't mm-hmm. aware that this relatively large man, tall man, was mm-hmm. approaching them. And they all <laughs> freaked out when they were <laughs> aware that he was talking to them because yeah. they were so buried into the screen. So you think about that, you know, you get distracted by, um, you know, what's happening on your, your, uh, your screen. And then you try to make a call to a customer. And it's like, yeah, that shift is really hard. You sort of have to you have to learn to segregate that in the specific times of the day. And I think that's one of the big challenges for sales reps is to say, when I'm selling, I'm selling, and when I'm doing something personal, I'm doing something personal. Never the twain shall be intermixed. But it, it, uh, that's really true. And I would like to add that constant in and out of email. Um, it lowers people's IQ. <laughs> you know, oh. I mean, let, let's be. <laughs> Okay, so let's... even at work, just somebody being in and out of email frequently, for females, it reduces their IQ by five points. And for guys, they take a 15-point hit in IQ. So if you want to be a stupid sales rep, you just go in and out of email all day. 
and you'll feel really busy, but you'll be operating subpar. And and our competitive world where we have wow. to be up sharp and everything, you know, to take that kind of me- mental hit just because you're you're hooked to your email. You're, and, and we are. We are hooked to our email. We're literally addicted to it. It literally is making us stupider. We cannot afford this. <laughs> well, how, how, long's, how, long this does, how long does the stupidity last? That's what I want to know. I think it may continue for quite a while. <laughs> that wasn't part of the study, but I, here's, here's let me just throw some other things um, at you. As part of researching the book, More Sales, Less Time, one of the things that I did is, I mean, I really went outside the sales field and looked at a tremendous amount of research that's out there in cognitive science, which is how we think, uh, neuroscience, which is how our brain works, psychology, social psychology, behavioral and economics. I mean, I was like, you know, researching the world. One of the things I found was a study put on by the Drug Game Group, and they were they have some time-testing software, and they were saying, what is the difference between our top 10% uh, producers, you know, those, those people who are our most productive people who seem to get the most done versus everybody else in our, in our organization. And their research showed that their top people would work on average about 52 minutes in a row, 52 minutes, and then they would stop, get up from their computer and do something that was fun and pleasurable, like talk to their colleagues, exercise a little bit, mm-hmm. take a shower. I mean, they would do something that would pull their mind away from work and not keep them. I mean, they wouldn't go on Facebook or they wouldn't go on, you know, Snapchat or anything else that was just another drain on their brain. They would pull themselves off, enjoy themselves, you know, have a bite to eat, talk to people, and then go back to work. And not only were they more productive, but they rarely seemed stressed out. And that's because they removed themselves from that digital environment, gave their brain a break. Our brain is a muscle. It needs a break, you know. Right. And so, and came back. Yeah, we had talked uh, when you were on the show last time about uh, working on blocks. We talked this idea of a, these apps called Pomodoro timers, where you yeah. set them, you work 25 minutes and take a break for five. Yeah. And I, I use one. And yeah, when I have my five minutes, I'm not looking at my computer screen or anything. I'm up walking around the house or I might walk a set of stairs in my building or do something. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Just it's not, not work. Well, what people don't realize, too, is when they detach from work, I mean, literally pulling yourself away from the screen, you actually get your better thinking happening because your, your, your brain pulls itself away from the, I've got it, you know, the, the task orientation and it goes to a higher level of thinking. So if you've got a, a specific challenge that you're working on, like, oh, how am I going to get them to realize that we're better than, than the competition? Or how am I going to get the, how am I going to realize that it's worth spending the time and effort to change from their status quo. On oh, my suggestion is people should go take a shower. That's where I do my best thinking. Yeah. I mean, a shower, a walk, and that's pulling <laughs> yourself away. You're not. Yeah. But literally, I mean, it's it's the brain moves into mind wandering mode and it starts searching for other parts in the brain. And, and, you know, what have you thought before? What have other people done? And literally, it forms new thoughts and new ideas and you literally perform at a higher level. Yeah, well, I mean, that's this whole idea of, of ruminating. I think it's a very valuable skill to keep things sort of in the back of your mind. Uh-huh. So, I think so, too. Yeah. Okay. So, let's give some people now. We've talked about this issue of time productivity, and, and people should buy, definitely buy your book. Go back, as I said, look to, listen to the previous episode, 319. But So, now I want to talk about some sales acceleration strategies for the new year. And you had some specifically in your book that tie some of these themes together. So the first one was you called tap into trigger. So maybe not everybody's aware of what what triggers are in sales. So I maybe explain that to start off with. 
Yeah. Uh, a trigger event is something that actually happens either within an organization or external to an organization that suddenly changes the organization's priorities. And I'll just give you some example. An internal trigger might be uh, new leadership in the company. A new boss comes in. Um, another internal trigger might be a reorganization or it might be a change in strategic priorities. It could be a um, Launching a new product, you know, that could be a trigger. But these are things that happen within a company that suddenly somebody in the organization goes, you know, our status quo, huh, that's not going to help us. You know, we got to change our status quo in order to um, be successful with, with this new thing that's just happened. External triggers might be a change in the political landscape, a change in the financial landscape, something's happening to a competitor, either good or bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and they change how an organization views what they have to do as well. So anytime there is a trigger that, that applies to a specific company, it requires them to um, reevaluate the status quo. Triggers loosen the status quo. And so somebody who is tracking these triggers, who has sat down and said, my specific prospects, um, they are more likely to change when this kind of thing happens. And so if I simply track these kinds of things or keep my, you know, tr- my antennas uh, up there looking for these kind of things, I will be able to go in and, and, and start a conversation before my competitors get in there. Yeah, and these and the tools and technology exist through LinkedIn and other tools to be able to track these type of changes. Like absolutely, you know, executives leaving one company going to another company, which is you know oftentimes viewed as sort of the the primary trigger of change. That's something you can simply track and easily track with LinkedIn. Right, and I know like research from discoverorg.com, which tracks now leadership changes, and they and they notify you of their. I mean, their research into the IT sphere showed that typically when a new executive went into an IT organization, there were some significant changes within ninety days. Significant, not sort of changes. Significant, you know, where they made some really big decisions. So to track that and to be on top of it and to get a first mover status gets you in and. When you are the first person to contact uh, a buyer with a, a viable vision of the future of what it could be, according to Forrester Research, mm-hmm. you have a 74% close rate. Yeah, and I, I use that number in, in <laughs> presentations I give. It's like, okay, where, yeah. where can you get odds that good on anything you in can. life, right? To yeah. me, that is to me that's the 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 best thing we can do to shorten it. Because not only are you approaching people when the status quo has lost its grip, but you're the one who's coming in with some ideas about how they could do things differently to reach their newer changing goals. You're you're the expert, and they start to rely on you. Seventy four percent close rate is huge. Yeah, and and part of that phenomenon, and I talk about this in in my second book, mm-hmm. is is you know people make good enough decisions and mm-hmm. and that's okay i know this yeah. i know there's companies i've talked to companies recently that think oh we got to get the customers past the good enough decision it's like well no actually i'd i'd rather get that good enough decision because i can take that prospect off the street yeah. well, i can be there first with the viable vision as you talk about hey I, i'm gonna win that deal yes so it's okay if it's a good enough decision it is okay because you're in there now, and once they've decided to go with you, then then if you you play your cards right, they will expand with you as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so second tip you talked about is develop time saving systems. Now we we sort of talked about that a little bit, but um, 
is that something you're targeting specifically toward prospecting or all aspects of the sales process? I think it applies to all aspects of the sales process, but it's probably easiest to explain to people <laughs> from a prospecting mode since they do a lot of that. Um, well, in your book, you gave an example of one of your own campaigns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the reality of it is research shows that what it takes eight to 10 contacts, you know, sometimes 12, depending on what you're selling to whom and, you know. Right, the tier, the level of the person you're trying to call on. Yeah, it's high as level, 22, yeah. I think, for C level, right? Yeah. Right. So it takes, if you know it's going to take that long, then why are we just preparing one email or one voicemail message at a time? I mean, literally, we, we know it's going to take that many touches. So why don't we just sit down and plan our approach and, and get them all ready to go and create a system that we can just roll out? I mean, if we've invested time, for example, say you wanted to do work at Microsoft and you targeted somebody at Microsoft, there'd been a trigger event that was happened that was, you know, absolutely you know, worthwhile and tied to what you do, why not have a campaign all set and ready to roll out, you know, from the start? Because that's when you've done your research. That's when you're, you're most thoughtful about it. That's where you can save yourself an enormous amount of time by pulling the campaign together and say, here's what I'm going to do. And then for the next three to four weeks, you just roll it out. You know, you don't have to stop and think every time. Yeah. And, and there are tools that exist that, you know, have gotten some pretty good notice. The thing is, in the broad sort of spectrum of things, it's still a very small percentage of companies that are using them. There's sort of these sell, like outreach and sales loft and, mm-hmm. and kite desk and, and right. engageo on the account based side. You know, these mm-hmm. tools that, that enable you to put together these systematic approaches to a number of prospects within a target account. That's right. That's right. I mean, and for people to think that it's just a one-off and to have to stop and think every single time, that is the stupidest waste of time I have ever seen. Because what happens is that they they think, oh, you know, it's time to get back to, you know, oh, I have to get back to Andy right now. Um, oh, geez, what did I say last time? Well, let me check. And then before long, they're down into their email and they're looking at something else and then mm-hmm. their mind gets pulled and then they never get a hold of you. I mean, they never try to reach out to you again or they, they wait another week and and it's just, it's easily forgotten in a world where there's so much else to do. Yeah. So I think, I mean, the message really, and some of this is a little bit more directed to some sales managers and leaders, is that you have to invest in these systems that enable your sales reps to have some sort yeah. of leverage in their activities. Yes, I love that. It's leverage in their activities, you know. Anytime you're going to do things, how can we leverage it? And by the way, you know, once you think about it, if you if you typically go after people like, you know, for example, if I would go typically go after VPs of sales, pipeline is an issue. Shoot, I know a pipeline is an issue with virtually every B, VP of sales out there right now. Why can't I craft a series of messaging, you know, with links to some good content? And and why can't I do that from the get-go and, and only just have to personalize it? For mm-hmm. certain companies, exactly. and that's what those technologies that you're talking about allow you to do. But you know, if you're targeted and focused on certain prospects having certain kind of problems, you know, with certain kind of status quo, there is no reason you can't create a full system ready to go. Right. Okay. So a third third tip you had there was, and you brought the magic word pipeline. Unclog your pipeline. Yeah. So, gosh, yeah, gosh, I've seen us a million times as you have. So. Mm-hmm. You talk about reasons why deals get stuck. So, may I just review those briefly and then give your your recommendation. You have an experiment you tell people should do about uh, how to unclog their pipeline. 
<laughs> There's a hundred reasons that deals get stuck, and I'm not exactly even sure which ones you were thinking about when you. Well, when you, you had had some listed. You know, don't see enough value. The more yeah. important priorities. You're talking to the wrong person. You've yeah. you've misjudged their interest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a hundred million reasons why people do get stuck, and so you have to literally take a look at what you're doing and say, where, 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 where am I with these people in the sales process? Um, have they agreed to spend money to solve the problem or to, you know, to reach the objective they're trying to reach, or are they still struggling with if it makes enough sense? Um, or are they stuck looking at competition? Are they just playing too busy? Is it not a priority? You have to get inside of those. But the truth of the matter is, you have to. Um, you have to be rigorous with yourself, you know, and take a look at where you are with each of these people, being fully honest with yourself, because it's so easy to delude yourself into thinking that you have more opportunities exactly. um, that than truly exist. You and, know? I think, and I think that's, that is, to me, is one of the real issues with qualification is, is yeah, people aren't pragmatic enough in dealing with it and mm. for a variety of reasons it could be because they're feeling pressure to have more in their pipeline and that comes exactly. from the manager that wants to have yep. more in the pipeline mm-hmm. hey we've all been there um but you have to do what's right for you and so to do that this first step is you have to set be ruthlessly pragmatic yeah. in looking yeah. at prospects that doesn't do you any good to keep people in your pipeline that are never going to buy from you Right. And that's being personal. I mean, you know, as long as we can take the personal part of it and say, what's in it for me? It doesn't do me any good to have all these people that might buy. And by the way, it takes you away from pursuing people who could buy or who could need your stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and, and the more we're carrying all this extra burden of all these other people that we have to get back to, and they said they'd do something, they said they'd do something and, and get real with ourselves, then we free up uh, mental space to go after and do what really um, matters and what can advance our process and accelerate sales. Right. Well, one one thing you talk about in your new book under in the category of personal development, which is going to sound a little contrary, but I think is, is something that is absolutely essential, is, is you say there are times to do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're yes. talking about mindfulness, which is a word that people are going to hear more and more if I had to say there is a trend in business in general and sales in particular over the next year, you're going to hear more and more about this this topic of mindfulness. May spend a minute and just talk about what that concept is and this idea about doing nothing and how it helps you. Yeah, doing nothing is really just about kind of going quiet. We're living in such a distracted world in our in our um, we're being pulled in a gazillion directions that we really lose track of what's important and perspective and. Um, what really matters. And, and taking time, like at the beginning of the day, to focus and just have some quiet time and, and, and get settled into where you want to spend your time allows you to do what matters and do the most important things and not get bogged down in, in the little things. I, I was talking to the CEO of a technology company the other day, and he said, if I don't take 20 minutes at the onset of every day to just be quiet. He said, all day long, he said, I suffer from popcorn brain. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting way of saying it, yeah. (laughs) I said, I've never heard it called that. And he said, yeah, my brain's just boinging around. You know, it's like I'm in the middle of a of a popcorn popper and that's my brain, you know, that popcorn popper. Um, But having time and going quiet is is what we really need to settle down and to um, actually be at our peak performance 
And you had a good suggestion in the book, which was really even at the beginning of the day, you're sort of anxious to some degree to sit down at yeah. your desk and get going. Is you recommend instead of putting your hands on the keyboard or opening your laptop, putting your yeah. hands on the keyboard, just take a couple minutes, close your just, eyes. Yeah. And I've never been somebody who's been able to do it real well for 20 minutes, but I can take a few minutes and just go quiet and kind of just go, okay, I'm just going to sit here quietly for a while until I get too antsy. And I don't even set a timer because timer yeah. makes me antsy. Um, but I'm just going to go quiet and just stop and, and, you know, just be quiet and not race. Great suggestion. Great because suggestion. Yeah, I was talking to Jonathan London, and he's a sales expert, mm -hmm. one of the few that I know who is really into mindfulness. And he said, mindfulness is even beautiful. You know, when you're before you're meeting with somebody on a sales call, and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, to go quiet rather than rush in if you're having a sales meeting and, you know, go, go, go to just, you know, to go quiet for just a few minutes and say, you know, let me just sit quietly here. He said, when you do that, when you're in conversation with the person, you're more there. You know, yep. they feel a difference in you because you're not, you know, you don't have that popcorn brain going, should I bring this up? Should I bring that? You know, Absolutely. it's like you're just going quiet and you're there and they feel the difference in you, which leads to a whole different conversation and a higher level of trust. So there's many, many ways of just not rushing all the time and just taking quiet time for ourselves to do nothing is actually the best thing we can do. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And so, Jill, we've moved into the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And so, these are just rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers or elaborate if you wish. And the, the first one is one that actually people – been a popular question people really like is, is it easier to teach – in your mind, in your opinion, is it easier to teach a technical non-salesperson how to sell or to teach a salesperson how to sell a technical product? I would take a technical person <laughs> – Gosh, I, me too. But it's probably, would you really? Yeah, we're in the distinct minority, though. Really? No, I would take a technical person and I would show them the system and the process because there is a methodology for sales. And mm -hmm. it's not all over the board, you know. It's, it's like, no, here's how you do it. And technical people are more likely to follow the system. Salespeople, ah, sometimes they're here and there and everywhere. But I'm sure everybody will hate me for that, too. No, no, actually, it's, no? I'm, I'm with you on this. So this is my answer. I, I made a career of taking technical people and turning yeah. them into top salespeople and partially because you know they had the domain expertise but also I found yes. that you know technical people had more innate curiosity and tend yeah, to I get tend to get better questions. Yeah, I, I honestly think that, you know, in a lot of different things too, I mean, if you can take somebody who's been a specialist in the field, say you're selling into the medical industry and you can take somebody who, ha for example, has been a physical therapist to sell to other physical therapists or uh, somebody who's been an elementary school principal to sell to elementary school principals, I, I would rather teach them because they have the, the domain expertise. They mm -hmm. can actually talk. And if they've gone into sales at that point, they do, they want to be successful. So they're willing to absorb and learn and experiment. And it's funny how many of my guests out of the 400 guests that we've interviewed so far that started off as teachers before moving into sales. It's, it's surprising. It's probably the number one profession people were in first before they joined sales. Why don't you ask me what mine was? What was yours? I was a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's very interesting. I know you didn't. <laughs> ah, very interesting. See, add yeah. that to the list. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize you taught before you went to Xerox. I taught for four and a half years. And what'd you teach? Oh, I'm not even going to tell you that. Uh, People okay. laugh. No, I taught home ec. 
I hated it. I hated it. And, and, and the only reason I taught home ec, and this is so sick. Not that, but, and we, you, for most of the audience, you probably have to explain what a home ec is. It's, no. it's not taught anymore. Home family economics. Living family living and child development, you know, uh, yeah. things like that. But um, the only reason is I wanted to drop out of college at one point because I had no idea what I wanted to be. And my parents insisted that I stay in college, insisted. And, and I said, as only a 19-year-old who is so smart and mm. savvy can do. I looked at them. I said, okay, I'm going to major in a subject I hate then. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, and I hated it right. every, every single day, and I really showed them. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, we hate that when parents are right. Okay, so next question is, um, if you could change one thing about your business self, what would it be? My business self? Yeah. Well, I can't think of anything. I kind of like how I am. Well, and that's, that's funny. We're asking, because we're, we're asking the question, if you've gone through this, if people read your new book, they're going to see that you've gone through quite yeah. a lot. Quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just immersed, emerged on the other side. You know, I like who I am today. I like how I'm working today. It's so much better. Okay. Human. Well, what a great endorsement for your book, too. I have to admit that you've, you've having read your book, I'm already having just read it, but I'll, <laughs> I've already started implementing changes. Well, uh, it's, it's a long, it's a process. I mean, the, the reality is, is that the book is really not something that you can just say, okay, so there, now I'm better. Um, for me, it took a full year to, um, you know, experiment and try out some of the different strategies mm -hmm. in the book and, and to track myself and to see what results I got. And then, you know, I tried so many of them, but pulling it all together to becoming a way of working was a whole different job. Yeah. I mean, and I that took myself. more time too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, the last time we, we talked about a month or so ago is, is uh, talked about I implemented some things about uh, you know, the Pomodoro timing. I really like this book by Kevin mm -hmm. Cruz about how you use your calendar and so on. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a process. It takes practice. Yeah, nothing nothing instantaneous. Yeah, if you're looking for immediate gratification on a lot of stuff, uh, yeah, it just takes hard work. It does take hard work. It takes really a focus and, and a commitment to yourself that there is a better way. And you really don't want to work like a crazy, busy fanatic all the time. You want to uh, work well and do it in less time. Yeah. Can't argue with that at all. Okay. So last question for you. Do you have a favorite quotation or words of wisdom that you live by? Well, when I was my first year in sales at Xerox, I went to a networking event and some guy handed me a card, and it wasn't a card with his business. It wasn't a business card. It was a quote that was on it. And I, I still have this quote pinned on my desk, and it, um, never believe in never. Hmm. And to me, that's really important because, like, and it, from a sales perspective, like, if something's not working out, just because it's not working out now doesn't mean it will always be that way. If I would think about it and try to strategize and come up with new ways, there, there are other options. So it's, for me, it's been an option opener. It's created new ways of looking at things and not giving up. Never believe in never. I like that. Is there somebody that's attributed to or Robert Schuller, Robert Schuller. Okay. Yep. So he was the, the, the TV evangelist. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard of his name for a while. Never believe in no. ever. I like that. 
Well, and, and this was back from when I first started in sales that somebody handed it to me. And like I said, I still have that card taped to my wall because it it is meaningful for me. If you don't know how to do it right now, you just haven't learned yet. You know, if it's not working now, there are other ways. Don't get stuck in thinking it just won't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've got a similar one that I found early in my career that 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 I've yeah I've I've kept. I don't well, want to refer to it. Tell people. Well, yeah. So I mine is from. Uh, actually, interestingly, a theologian, a guy named Paul Tillich, American hmm. theologian. Um, and I'm not particularly a religious person, but I mean, this just really struck with me. Is, is, his, his quote was, the awareness of the ambiguity of one's highest achievements, as well as one's deepest failures, is a Ooh. definite symptom of maturity. <laughs> oh, and you found that early, and, you, and that meant something to you early in your career? Because that sounds like something that a mature person might... Well, it just it just struck me. I was in my my gosh, late twenties when I when I came across this oh. in Forbes magazine. Their quote I remember, you know, tearing out of Forbes magazine, hmm. and it's just you know this lesson that you know the highs and lows come yeah. and go, but um, you know you can't make too much of them. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So it sort of held me in good stead over the years. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, jump. As always, pleasure to speak with you. So tell yeah. people how they can find out more about you. Well, let me give you two, okay, two ways. Um, the new book is obviously on Amazon and just about everywhere. But um, one of the things I'm doing right now is having a more sales, less time challenge. And people can partake in this fun challenge. It's a seven-part video series. And all they have to do is uh, text 44144. That's 44144. Text the word sales to that, and boom, they get a response and they enter their email, and the challenge starts. And so, what's the challenge? Well, there's it's a more sales less time challenge. It's all about little things that you can do to free up your time. So it's really kind of fun that way. It's tied in with my book, but it's really tied in with helping people be more productive and and question and experiment with different ways that they can do things that they might not be doing today. Right, and the whole message of this this episode, you know, people, this is the you know kickoff event for 2017. Nothing better you can do than to get involved in the challenge. Read Jill's book, help you learn how to do more in less time. So, Jill, thank you, as always, for being on the show. My pleasure. And remember, friends, thank you for taking the time to join us and make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that, take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jill Conrath, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.